Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done too. And the available pro-access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. An available Pro Power onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Wow. Never know how complicated a topic is going to be until I start sucking on one. And early into the research this week, I realized we needed our second two-part episode to properly suck the Freemasons. Today, we're going to focus more on the mainstream history of the group, the history that members say is the truth, the history and elements of Freemasonry uh, supported by mainstream authors and journalists. Then on Monday, we'll go a little further down the Freemason rabbit hole, uh, look into some hardcore conspiracies, look a little more into their symbolism. You know, every once in a while, an episode really, really surprises me. And today, one of those episodes, I had zero interest in Freemasonry before I started the Time Suck podcast. Uh, and right now, kind of want to join a lodge. My wife last night was telling me to calm down. Why? Find out today on Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. <laughs> Hello, Time Suckers. Welcome to the 1500 iTunes Review Bonus Edition of Time Suck. I'm Dan Cummins, a.k.a. Prophet of Nimrod, teacher of the secrets that lined his heavenly ball sack. What? Wait. Don't worry about it. Welcome to the cult of the curious. Back in the suck dungeon, the suck studio, the suck lair with Mr. Josh Carell. Sweetening the sound of today's suck so it slides right on past your lips, down your throat, right into your soul. You can suck it so good couple of tour dates uh, to announce, including an unfortunate cancellation, and then on to uh, part one of that big old Freemason suck fest. Uh, I'll be in Indianapolis January 5th and 6th. That is today and tomorrow. So show the fuck up. Get down here to Morty's. I'll be in Providence, Rhode Island, January 19th and 20th. And then, sadly, I will not be in Chicopee, Massachusetts on January 21st because the owner of the club I was supposed to be at has run the venue out of business. So Fuck. That explains why the owner was not getting back to my agent or my manager, so sorry about that. Uh, I will get back to Massachusetts. Uh, I want to get to Boston. I would love to uh, get back there, and that's where we're trying to set up a show. And again, uh, I apologize. If you somehow did manage to get a ticket to that event, I was never able to properly announce it because they never listed it. 
you're going to have to go to the club for a refund. I believe the restaurant portion is still open. I wish I had more info. Sorry, I can't be more help. Uh, I, I have I have not been you know given any money or getting any information from them. So again, truly sorry. Uh, I will be in Philadelphia January 25th to 27th, Baltimore January 28th at Magoobies. Tickets for that are on sale now. Sorry, there was a delay there. Uh, Chicago at Zany's January 31st to February 3rd, New York City Gotham Comedy Club February 11th. More tour dates at either dancummins.tv, timesuckpodcast.com. Minneapolis tickets are on sale now. Stand-up shows March 2nd and 3rd, very limited tickets. Also, live Time Suck podcast uh, Saturday, March 3rd at 2 p.m. That's all at Sisyphus Brewing. Uh, it is listed separately as Time Suck on their website for the podcast. So some people had trouble finding it. It's just right below me. You can see it listed as Time Suck. They used the original logo for their uh, advertisement. One more thing uh, before we jump into today's episode. Uh, you've heard me read ads for brands, you know, like uh, Lisa Mattress, you know, Dollar Shave Club, Bombfell, RX Bars, Mack Weldon, and more. Uh, amazing companies that I do truly believe in. These ads are great because they keep the show free. They keep the suck coming to you. They introduce listeners like you to new products and services that you're going to love. You get sweet discounts. It is a win for everybody. And I'm happy to uh, have the help and expertise of Midroll Media to ensure that this show continues to have great advertisers. Very important to me. So if you're interested in advertising on TimeSuck, here's how you do it. You go to midroll.com slash TimeSuck. You click contact to let the folks at Midroll know. Uh, they also represent other great shows like My Favorite Murder, uh, What the Fuck with Mark Marin. So you, so you can reach an array of engaged listeners when you go through Midroll. So that's M-I-D-R-O-L-L dot com slash TimeSuck. And that's where you can find out how you can hear more about you, your company, and your awesome product right here on The Suck. So more announcements at the end of the show. Right now, time for some Freemasonry. So who the hell are the Freemasons? You ask the first 10 people uh, you come across, and you're liable to get 10 different answers. Uh, my 11, soon-to-be 12-year-old son, Kyler, uh, he asked me what I was doing the other night, and I told him I was researching the Freemasons, and he gave me a weird look, and uh, and he asked, pseudo-seriously, aren't they the Illuminati? And uh, and then I immediately, immediately choked him unconscious, took him to the basement, uh, pressed a secret uh, Freemason symbol in the foundation of my home, opened a hidden Illuminati door to the underworld where a lizard overlord was waiting. He had heard it too. He heard the call. We both knew what had to be done. Uh, yeah, my son had to be blood sacrificed to the Dark Lord. And so he was placed upon a Freemason altar. Uh, chanting was done. Uh, a special little devil knife was used. Demons danced around in circles uh, on some little pentagrams and whatnot. Uh, Lucifer, god of the Freemasons, was appeased, allowing me to continue in my quest for riches and power. So hail Lucifina. Hail space lizards. No. No, obviously I did not uh, sacrifice my son. But I did find it interesting that he had, A, heard of the Freemasons, and B, thought they had something to do with the Illuminati. Uh, by the way, I learned last year that kids at his school talk about the Illuminati all the time. And uh, and if you look on the web, you can see that people in general spend a lot of time speculating about the Illuminati and the Freemason connection to the Illuminati. A lot of people think they're one and the same. Uh, more on that uh, later. Uh, when I told my wife, she said something to the effect of, didn't they used to do a lot of bad stuff? And she is decidedly not a conspiracy theorist. Uh, before this week... I thought uh, the the Freemasons were kind of just the equivalent of an Elks Lodge or like a VFW hall, just a place for old men to hang out and have beers and wear funny hats. I, ne I never thought they uh, were some ancient and evil secret society. 
You know, just devil worshippers instigating bloody revolutions, manipulating the world's leaders, conspiring to take over our planet. Uh, you Google who are the Freemasons, and you come across a variety of videos and articles that uh, mostly are pure just wackadoodleness, just superstitious insanity, like the modern equivalent of the medieval uh, belief in witches and necromancers. So uh, when a variety of time suckers who happen to be Freemasons message me that they'd help if uh, needed – uh, that they would answer some questions about Freemasonry. I took them up on their offer, and you know what? I, I had a short window to get this uh, one done this week, and they were kind enough to shoot me some responses real quick. So let's start today's suck with uh, these questions, get a general feel for what it means to be a member of their society as laid out by a few of their own and a few of our own. Uh, big thanks to these uh, two Freemasons who wish to remain anonymous. You know, it is a it is a society of secrets. Uh, thanks to all the other Freemasons who reached out uh, to help, uh, who I wasn't able to follow up with just due to, you know, normal time constraints. So I asked the same question to each time sucker, so I'll just kind of go through the responses side by side. My first question was simply, why did you become a Freemason? Well, time sucker Mason 1 responded, I became a Mason because of the curiosity. I was willing to take the leap and see what it is all about. Number two said, I love knowledge. Like everyone in the cult of the curious, the fact that Freemasonry is deemed a secret society made me very interested in joining and learning things that I felt like I was missing out on. Once you get in, there are so many little groups you can join, and each one of them has its own little nugget of knowledge. Well, I, I get both of these answers. The more I've been researching the Freemasons, the more interested uh, I am in joining someday to see <laughs> what it's really all about. You know, Maybe when I'm a little less busy, a little less hectic, I can check it out. Uh, my next question was, how did you hear about the Freemasons? And Time Sucker Mason 1 responded, how could you not hear about the Freemasons? There is always a lodge in most, if not all, cities, and you see the infamous uh, square and compass insignia prominently shown right there on the building. Uh, the fraternity's uh, marketing has been great ever since George Washington, uh, I've heard of him, uh, walked around in a Masonic regalia back in 1776. Uh, the picture of him in, at the corner store in cornerstone ceremony is iconic and there is a picture of it in somewhere in every lodge uh, that he i have been to which is probably about 40 ish by now i also have a uh, a, a recent rise or i've seen a recent rise as a result of national treasure movies and the dan brown novels but nothing beats the tried and true methods of word uh, method of word of mouth you see gentlemen with rings adorning the square and compass emblems on their cars and copious amounts of apparel i know some brothers that only wear clothing that have the square and compass on it, which is a little too much for my taste, although I do have an emblem, a fancy ring that I wear to a lodge, uh, countless lapel pins from other lodges, and a crew shirt that I wear on occasion. Uh, it's not as soft as muskrat labia, uh, but it serves its purpose. One of the prominent dependent Masonic bodies are the Shriners, which own and operate the Shriners Hospital for Children, which we do get a lot of good press from there. Yeah, I love the Shriners. Uh, we even had some Shriners in tiny little old Riggins, Idaho when I was a kid. Uh, according to the Idaho Freemasons website, little old Grangeville, Idaho, just 45 minutes from Riggins, roughly 3,000 people, little town uh, uh, just, just barely big enough to have a small hospital for me to be born in years ago, has a Freemason Lodge, or at least used to. Uh, Time Sucker Mason 2 said, I'm a fourth generation Freemason on my mother's side, so my first introduction to Masons was at my great-grandfather's funeral as a child. All right. Question three. How often do you get to meet with other Freemasons at a Freemason Lodge? Uh, Mason 1 responded, every night in every state, there is a couple of lodges meeting, whether it is to induct a new candidate or the monthly state of meeting. I personally go to a lodge once, maybe twice a week, depending on my work schedule. Mason 2 said, 
lot less frequently now I'm now that I'm father of two very small and very needy children. Each individual lodge has two meetings a month, unless, of course, the lodge is lacking in member participation. In that case, make it once a month. These meetings are called stated communications. Lodges will also have special nights where members are promoted to the next level or degree. Uh, these are called called communications. Even if you are a member of one lodge, you can go to any meeting or degree at any other lodge so you can be as busy as you want. It's also very easy to pack on the pounds because every meeting begins with dinner, like in the dinner part. Uh, and, and I like the twice a month. It doesn't seem like an insane commitment. Okay, that's cool. Fourth question, what is the purpose of all the secrets? Right, Time Sucker Mason 1 responded, the purpose of the secrets is trust. I had a conversation with a very prominent brother, and he put it like this. If you can't trust a man to keep something secret as small as a handshake or a couple random syllables that make a code word, he has no integrity and cannot be trusted with anything. That actually makes a lot of sense to me. You know, some dipship, uh, dipship, I think it's a dipship. I don't know what a dipship is, but it doesn't sound like a fun ride. Some dipshit, you know, if he can't keep a handshake a secret, I mean, you can't trust him with other secrets. And, and I would take it further and add that someone who can't remember a few code words and secret handshakes probably isn't mentally capable of keeping secrets. You know, you got to weed out the riffraff. Ah, I hate the riffraff. I like it. As I get older, I have less and less interest in riffraff. Uh, Time Sucker Mason 2 said, I honestly feel like uh, the secrets are a survival tactic. It's really that simple. People hate feeling left out. So if you make your group's public image, some secret mysterious society, uh, people will be knocking down your door trying to join and be part of the group. Ugh, that bodes well for the cult of the curious. I like, I like what this is heading. Uh, you need members to participate in annual dues to be financially stable. They claim that when Freemasons were actual operative stone masons, the secrets were the arts of the craft. Uh, that is what I also uh, have found. They were protected to guarantee wages, almost like union rights. Everything learned in masonry is all through word of mouth. You weren't allowed to write anything down. This is an echo from a time period where most people were illiterate. Although we still follow the verbal lesson structure, we are in a modern period of masonry where the parables are bound around Hiram Abiff and the building of King Solomon's temple. A long time ago, when people were a lot more simple and predominantly Christian, the parables were around the building of Noah's Ark. Those are referred to the Haramic and uh, Noachite masonry. Hopefully I'm getting those uh, pronunciations right. That is interesting about the history, and according to the research I will talk about later, yes, uh, in ancient pre-business card times, code words and knowledge of secret handshakes were essentially like proof of your union membership to someone who had never met you. So other masons, you know, in some other city you'd went to knew that they could count on you when they were, you know, building some giant structure to actually know your shit. And, and yeah, from what I looked into, the mythological beginnings of the Freemasons do go back to the building of King Solomon's Temple. And here's my fifth question. Uh, what is your favorite part of being a Freemason? Time Sucker 1 uh, responded, my favorite thing about being a brother is the fact that I have a large amount of people I can count on. I made the biggest decision I have ever made in my life earlier this year, and that was a move from Los Angeles to Las Vegas, and I would uh, not have done it if I wasn't a brother. When people ask me, do you know anyone out here in Vegas, the answer is yes. I know plenty of people that I can count on. I moved out here without a job, uh, but a huge network of people. Every night of my first week, I went to a different lodge to meet people, and of course, eventually the question, what did you move out here for, has made, made its way into the conversation, which was to find a career in waiting tables. I told them about my background. I found out the executive chef was a uh, mason, and it's history from there. I had a relatively high-paying job with great benefits in no time. 
I am well qualified for the position, but directing me straight to the executive chef allowed me to cut a couple of corners. I remember from a previous episode that you lived out here in Vegas for a bit, and you know it is a who-you-know type of town. That does make a lot of sense to me. I mean, and regarding Vegas, you know, I only went to two years of high school there, uh, my freshman and sophomore years, but I do remember my dad, uh, you know, working in construction there, talking about being a or Vegas being a who-you-know type of town. Uh, specifically, I remember him thinking it was harder to get jobs in residential construction if you were not LDS, if you were not Mormon, because the LDS churches down there had a lot of members, uh, emphasis on home ownership, you know, with the emphasis on you know financial prosperity and family, and, and it was a tight-knit bunch, you know, and they tried to give one another work, which makes total sense. You know, humans have always looked to take care of their own tribe before taking care of others in general. You know, it's a you-scratch-my-back-I-scratch-yours mentality. Nice to know that there are groups not affiliated, uh, you know, necessarily with religion that do the same thing. Uh, honestly, the first real group I belong to as an adult uh, has been Time Suck. I, I was never in a frat, uh, never went to church regularly as an adult, uh, you know, and, and starting off in Spokane, Washington, never even had a real crew of other comics that I kind of came up with that a lot of comics, you know, have where you, you know, you kind of help each other get work and stuff. I've always been a bit more of an outsider due to a mix of personality. Uh, temperament, circumstance, you know. Uh, I get the appeal now of a group, though. Cold to the Curious, uh, working little by little, building us a clubhouse right now, actually. A real one in Coeur d'Alene, uh, where I live, and a virtual one, the Time Suck app. So, yeah, all that makes sense. Uh, Time Sucker 2 said, the good fellowship and brotherhood. Uh, it doesn't matter what your station is in life, your politics, your religious beliefs, financial lane, or any other superfluous nonsense that we use to categorize members of society. I am 29 years old, work blue-collar, I'm literally tattooed from my jawline down to my feet, and I have formed honest friendships with conservative multimillionaires in their 80s and even World War II and Vietnam veterans. In everyday life, we have absolutely nothing in common and would barely exchange passing glances. But since our first interaction let us know that we were brothers, uh, we had common ground. The ability to form bonds as powerful as some of the ones I have made through the Freemasons is something I'm extremely grateful for. Don't get me wrong, though. The vetting process isn't always completely effective, and sometimes assholes and idiots can slip through the cracks. After you meet them, you're left scratching your head and wondering how the hell they even got in. Man, uh, damn assholes, man. Always slipping through the cracks, right? Always always sneaking in there. Uh, I do love the concept of people from different ages and different races, socioeconomic backgrounds, being able to come together in brotherhood. And, and, and by the way, on the brotherhood thing, if you think it's messed up that only dudes can be Freemasons – uh, at least traditional Freemasons, you might be surprised to hear that I, I disagree. I'm all for it. Uh, when it comes to private groups, I think you should be able to put up any boundaries you want. I think that's part of living in a free society. I, I did a show a while back in New Jersey, and there were a group of women at the show in an organization called Mocha Moms. Uh, an organization, by the way, I was so ignorant to, I actually thought there were people who loved coffee at first, like like chocolate and espresso, because I love mochas. And so I was like, oh, cool. There's some ladies that enjoy a tasty mocha. Uh, no. Uh, everyone in the group was A, a mom, and B, a woman of color. No white women allowed and no men of any color. Now, is that sexist and racist? Well, it depends on why they're meeting, I think. If they're meeting to talk about how to destroy the lives of men uh, and destroy the lives of white women, if they're meeting specifically to talk about uh, how much they hate white people and especially men, especially white men, then yes, it's a super racist group. Super sexist. I still think they should be allowed to do that because I don't want to infringe on their freedoms because of my kind of libertarian views. But uh, but if they're meeting to have you know a safe place to discuss issues, you know that that you can only truly understand through living life, uh, you know through the lens of a woman of color, 
that it makes sense to be exclusive on that level and they should have every right to do that. But here's the thing. If it's okay for one group to set guidelines based on race, gender, sexual orientation when it comes to membership, it has to be okay for all groups. It cannot be cool for women of color to meet in private but not cool for men of only white color. You know, people might not like it, but that is fair. That is logical. If, if now, if the white dudes are inherently racist for having a white dude only group, you know, then then I guess the black women have to be racist too, right? See, see how that works. This is an area where I think we fuck up a lot in society. I think we we think emotionally and not logically. You know, what's good for one is somehow not okay for the other. Okay. Oh, well, uh, this is uh, enough of me, I guess, of pontificating on the notions of, of actual fairness. I just wanted to give some explanation to why I have no problem with the Freemasons not letting women join. Women can form their own club and, and have historically formed kind of parallel groups to the, to the Masons. Or maybe it's, one, maybe it's one big sales pitch I'm doing, or you can join the Cult of the Curious. My club is for everyone except for disruptive assholes. You can be man, woman, black, white, orange, whatever. Uh, you know, you just cannot be a, dis- a disruptive asshole. Uh, you can even be an asshole. See, I'm even letting the assholes in. Just, you know, just be a quiet asshole. You know, not needlessly giving the rest of us a bunch of stress. Okay. Okay. So, uh, next question How would I join if I wanted to be a member? Time Sucker One uh, responded Just type your city in Freemason Lodges in your city. And, uh, for example, I typed in your city in Masonic Lodge and I came up with the Kootenai County, or excuse me, the Kootenai Lodge number 24, AF and AM. Give them a call. It is most likely the personal number of the secretary of the lodge, which is usually an old grizzled guy. They would be happy to invite you to their next meeting to dine, get to know the brethren. Cool. You know what? I did look up uh, the Kootenai Lodge. Unfortunately, it is uh, moved. Uh, pseudo closed, I guess. Kind of, it was merged with the Hayden Lodge. So damn it. Uh, the next response uh, probably explains why this happened. Time Sucker 2 said, over the years, you had to be invited by a mason that knew you to be able to petition for membership. But – Due to dwindling membership throughout the years, the policy has changed. The simple policy is, you know, to be one, ask one. It's as easy as going on the internet, finding a lodge close to where you live, going there on a standard meeting night and introducing yourself. Sit down, have dinner with the guys, tell them you're interested in joining. They will give you a petition to fill out, collect a small fee for a background check. After the petition has been approved and you pass the background check, they have a vote during the meeting. If the vote is yes, then they contact you to set up a night for your initiation. I like it. Uh, man, damn dwindling membership. Uh, yeah, that lodge close to me uh, probably is closed because of that. Good news, though, is, you know, maybe they're so desperate, now I can join. Nah, I got my, I got my own club. Hail Nimrod. Final question that I posed to uh, the two Freemasons was, why do you think there are conspiracies about Freemasons? And Mason 1 responded, because 14 presidents are Masons, including one of my favorite Time Suck episodes, Teddy motherfucking Roosevelt, although my all-time favorite episode is Chikatilo. What is big deal? Why why so why so popular? What what why fascination with casual way I stroke uh, soft shamecock with when mood strike? Uh, maybe uh, time soccer envy freedom of Chikatilo. Uh, Chikatilo Chikatilo grab life by soft cock. No careful rules. No no careful judgment. All right, I back to this one. Uh, there are also uh, uh, many. Other uh, kind of uh, famous and successful Masons that you probably have an extensive list of, and, and many have been on past episodes of your podcast. There are so many conspiracies because we meet in a locked lodge with a guard at the outer and inner door. That right there screams secrecy, which causes people to wonder what we do in there, and the wandering mind has come to some crazy conclusions. The fact that prominent people have been behind these locked doors and meetings incites wonder as well. Little known fact, I know a Mason that claims to be a flat earther. 
I pray to God he is just pulling our leg like Shaq did to you. Shaq is also amazing. Yes, Shaq got me. I got me so good with the flattered stuff. And I do get that. Uh, Shaq, by the way, spent a good chunk of last summer in Coeur d'Alene. Uh, I think he has a home around here. Maybe he goes to that Hayden Lodge. Maybe that's how I meet him. Uh, regarding secrets, yes, people absolutely start coming to nef- nefarious kind of conclusions when you start meeting in private and you don't tell them what you're talking about. Add some secret handshakes and some code words. Oh, meet in a windowless room. What? That's going to drive a good old-fashioned gossip crazy. Uh, people get to speculating. They start coming to some wild and crazy conclusions. They go uh, They go full X-Files. Uh, Time Sucker Mason 2 said, people are afraid of things they don't understand. They see an old secret society that has many prestigious members and want to make connections that aren't there. A lot of people are miserable in day-to-day life, and they feel stuck and oppressed. It's not necessarily by their own design, just the way life works out sometimes. It makes their lives easier having someone or something to vilify and blame for all their misfortunes in life. God, I feel like you're inside of my head right now. These are the exact thoughts I have. The best explanation for people's fear of Freemasonry that I know is a Plato's allegory of the cave. Yes, people are afraid of things they don't understand. I could not agree more. I think most of the fear around uh, at least 90% of the conspiracies out there can be summed up with fear of what people don't understand. Right? They're, they're, they're poisonous with the, the chemtrails. Uh, uh-huh. Or you don't understand how condensation works. You don't understand that a plane kicking out hot humid air from its engines into the very, very cold air 30,000 feet above sea level forms condensation crystals, leaving those big white streaks across the frozen sky. So, you know, condensation trails are either a natural side effect of jet engines in the sky or or the work of a secret group of evil leaders, poisoning and sterilizing a population that somehow keeps living longer and longer and longer and also keeps having kids later and later into life. So, you know, one of those two logical possibilities. Now, uh, those are the only questions I asked to both members, but by the time I wrote the email to the second Freemason, I thought of two additional questions. Uh, I've heard that there is no central governing body for Freemasons. Who gets to decide what the rules are for each Freemason lodge? How do you get into a lodge in a different state if the rules are different? Are the universal handshakes, code words, etc., cetera, uh, et cetera uh, that gain you access to every lodge? Yeah, I guess I asked a kind of a ton of, ton of little, little compound question there. Uh, he responded with, each state has its own Grand Lodge, which has Masonic jurisdictions. Once a Master Mason uh, you know, gets you a dues card, if the dues card is valid, you can go into any lodge around the world that you prefer. I have been to lodges in Vegas, San Diego, San Francisco, Los Angeles, New Orleans, Miami. The handshakes and code words are universal. Uh, and then so I asked, has anyone ever spilled all of the Freemason secrets online? And if that happens, do you have to update all your codes, handshakes, et cetera? Because that's what I was thinking. I was like, why don't someone just put the codes out there? And, and, I, and I love this answer. He says, yes, and I've seen the words and handshakes around, but thanks to the <laughs> idiots of the internet, it is diluted and people don't know the difference between what's legit and what's not. Sorry, I can't tell you which YouTube videos are legit or not. Damn it. I wanted to know the handshakes and the codes. Actually, actually, maybe I don't. I, I love secret stuff, you know? Honestly, now that I'm uh, thinking about all this Freemason stuff, I want to come up with some secret handshakes, maybe some secret code words for being a space lizard. It sounds fun. Finally, Tame, Time Sucker Mason 1 did volunteer some additional info, and here it is. He says, I know this is unsolicited, but here are a few fun facts and common misconceptions. Fun facts. The oldest reference to Freemasons is the Regius poem, printed in 1390. In North America alone, Freemasons donate $1.5 million a day to different charities and causes. There are roughly 4 million Masons worldwide. Freemasonry and its offshoots fund the following scholarships, child language disorder clinics, free dental work, children's hospitals, cardiac research, cancer research, reptilian overlord assimilation, 
and many other worthy causes. Ah, that was good. Uh, common misconceptions. Freemasonry is a giant secret superpower built on world domination. Well, in the United States alone, Freemasonry is broke up on an individual state-by-state level. This is to assure that no group gets too much power or influence. And then Freemasonry, uh, Freemasonry is satanic. Well, Freemasonry is designed to be non-religious. The only time religion ever comes up is on your application so that you can swear your oath to keep the secrets of Freemasonry. Uh, you can do it with a hand on the book of your faith, which I think is cool. And then religion is never supposed to come up again. If you are an atheist or agnostic like myself, then you just have to use the Bible for symbolism. Love it. A group where people of all faiths, even those with no faith, can hang out, you know, be brothers. And they, and they leave their polarizing thoughts on religion at the door. I think that's cool. You know, Muslims, Christians, atheists, agnostics, others all sharing ideas and friendship. And he adds, you have to write a goat when you join. That comes from a, a book that came out in the 1800s. Uh, there is no goat, just a bunch of old <laughs> – just a bunch of fat old white men watching you be paraded around while blindfolded. And then finally, uh, Freemasons are a front for the Illuminati. And then he says, we are a front for the reptilian overlords. I fucking knew it. You know, deep down, I knew that these Freemasons were lizard overlords. God damn it. Damn you, Lucifina, and your reptilian servants. <sighs> All right. So that is what I heard from some of our very own. Now time from what I found through my research. Uh, as far as research, uh, a research source, by the way, the best one I found by far this week was the book Freemasons for Dummies by Christopher uh, Hodap. And I, I feel like a lot of people are opposed to this series of books because of the title. You know, Some people don't want to like buy a book that just that implies that they're, they're dumb concerning that topic. I love those books. And before I found this one, I'd forgotten all about the Four Dummies uh, series for years. Uh, I bet I hadn't even thought about a dummies book in 15 years. 15 years ago, I used to buy dummies books all the time. If you're not familiar with this series, they were in a sense the original Wikipedia. Uh, if Wikipedia was a little more selective about its authors and way more thorough with their information. Uh, the dummies books are kind of best explained by themselves. On dummies.com, if you click the uh, about for dummies, it says, to people who value knowledge. Dummies is the platform that makes learning anything easy because it transforms the hard to understand into easy to use. I find that I find that to be true. Uh, through expert, editorial, engaging experiences in an approachable style, listeners at every level can confidently use their knowledge to fuel their pursuit of a professional advancement and personal betterment. With a commitment to maintaining the highest editorial standards and a promise to continue developing new, innovative digital experiences, Dummies makes learning anything even easier. I do find that description to be very valid. Uh, before YouTube tutorials were a thing, I bought dummies books on HTML programming, video editing, tax preparation, how to use a Mac. Uh, you know what I like about them is, is they seem to just give kind of a, the best no you know just no bullshit definition. You know they cite solid sources. They don't seem to be partisan or otherwise biased. They cut to the chase. Uh, they give the important parts, not a bunch of the fluff. And they did not sponsor this episode, by the way. I just respect what they do. And out of the many books I casually looked at and considered using as a main source for this episode, The Freemason for Dummies easily stood out as the most informative, comprehensive, least biased. I leaned on them a lot. So who are Freemasons? Well, the dictionary on my MacBook says a Freemason is a member of an international order established for mutual help and fellowship, which holds elaborate secret ceremonies. My Dummies book says uh, it's a society of gentlemen concerned with moral and spiritual values and is one of the world's oldest and most popular fraternal organizations. Freemasonry is a fraternity of men bound together by oaths based on the medieval stonemason craft guilds. Masonic laws, rules, legends, and customs are based on the ancient charges. The rules of those craft guilds, uh, Voltaire, uh, Mozart, uh, George Washington, Winston Churchill, 
all members as were nine signers of the Declaration of Independence and 14 U.S. presidents. Still feels kind of vague and mysterious, though. Well, it is a bit vague and mysterious by design. Remember, there's no central uh, governing agency you know, uh, with Freemasons, at least none that they claim. Freemason conspiracy theorists uh, claim otherwise. However, I was able to wrap my head a, a bit more around Masons by digging into how they began. Way back in medieval times, possibly even all the way back, uh, you know, all the way back to like pre-biblical times, there were Masonic orders that sound comparable to today's trade unions to me. The very earliest Masons were were vessels of academic knowledge in, in a time of rampant ignorance. In ancient times, you know, knowledge was doled out only to a small minority of royals, nobility, members of wealthy families who supported their rule, uh, the scholars who taught all these people, rulers, you know. Uh, generally have always understood that knowledge is power, and ancient rulers were not about to go setting up a public school system so that, you know, peasants could figure out that they were for sure being horrifically exploited. Uh, knowledge was a valuable, valuable thing. Uh, still is, but, uh, you know, it was harder to access historically, and it was something to be guarded. You know, if you were the best blacksmith in town, your family isn't going to starve come winter. You have a valuable skill set that you can use to provide a good home and food for your family, and you can pass on that knowledge, that knowledge of your trade to your kids so they can do the same for their families. Well, one important early skill was masonry, a mason being one who builds with and works with stone. And you know, to design and build a castle, a temple, a great big Gothic Catholic church, you have to have a firm understanding of geometry, geological properties of the stones you're working with, uh, the artistic ability to sketch out your designs. You know, knowledge of the tools needed to implement your geometrical know-how, strong grasp of the language, communicate your plans to illiterate laborers, etc. You have to be an academically elite member of the times you live in. You needed to possess a lot of important building knowledge, and you needed it in the days before the printing press. And so a Masonic order sprang up. You know, one Mason conveying the tricks of their trade to an apprentice. Other Masons, guilds sprang up. The earliest English reference to a Masonic guild comes from A.D. 926 when Athelstan, uh, the first king of England, organized a guild of Masons in New York. Uh, yeah, in A.D. 926. And, and, it, and it was in the interest of these Masons and their guilds to guard their secrets. If everyone knew how to build a stone arch, you know, everyone knew how to construct a castle wall that would last for centuries. If it were easy, Masons wouldn't be able to command the high waves they did. The knowledge wouldn't have the same value. You know, uh, think about it this way. Diamonds. Diamonds are valuable in part because of their rarity. Not easy to find a flawless five-carat diamond. Takes a lot of mining. Takes some luck to find a flawless five-carat diamond, which is why a diamond that size and with excellent purity costs around a half a million dollars. Well, what if you somehow found a uh, magic recipe where you could sprinkle a few household ingredients uh, into a little hole you've dug in your you know backyard? You know, just throw in a little baking soda, a little bit of apple cider vinegar, some paprika, a couple shakes of sea salt, maybe a few spoonfuls of lard. Uh, I don't know. Maybe take a dump in it. I, I don't know. You find a recipe, and then you cover the hole back up with dirt. You go to sleep, and then you dig it up the next morning. Bam handful five carat diamonds now would you post that recipe on facebook and share it with the world or would you carefully guard that knowledge only share it with a select few well if you chose to post it on facebook congratulations you're a dummy you're a well-intentioned idiot doomed to be poor forever if you post the knowledge dumb dumb then the diamond loses value as soon as it's mass produced it's no longer special if everyone can do it suddenly no one's diamonds are worth anything keep that knowledge to yourself Sell a handful of those uh, diamonds each month, you know, and you're suddenly wealthy beyond your wildest dreams. And there's probably a much greater uh, chance you'll also be killed by someone trying to take your diamond money. So there is that negative angle. But, you know, overall, very positive. Uh, the early Masons, well, they knew the real value of their knowledge, you know, and they knew that its real value was its rarity. Keep it in the guild, right? Keep it in the guild, homeboy. 
Uh, when the king needs a new castle, the pope wants a new cathedral, they're going to pay you some serious kizash. Why did I just say that? I had written down money, and I went with kizash. Like, suddenly, my brain just slipped into a wormhole, and it popped back out just for, like, one word in 1991. Uh, <laughs> but they're going to pay some serious money because you aren't one of a thousand, you know, you know, uh, Masonic guilds they can go to to get the job done. I mean, again, like another uh, kind of comparison. Imagine if your town or city had only one general contractor, just one, the only dude who knew how to build a home in the whole town. You know, it'd be literally a case of you hire that guy or you don't get a home built. You know, do you think he might charge? I don't know, a, a wee bit more than a guy who is one of a thousand contractors. Yeah, you bet your ass he charged more, unless he's a complete moron. Supply and demand, backbone of capitalism. Uh, why have secret handshakes and code words? Well, because, you know, as one of our time sucker Masons explained earlier, they didn't have business cards back then. You know, Masons, just like every other tradesman, sometimes travel for work. You know, and if he created symbols and codes, one Mason could prove to another in a city he just re- relocated to that he knew how to get the work done without having to build a fucking gargoyle or something, you know, to show like, ah, ta-da, I can, I can do it. You know, the secrets were for one mason to let another know that he possessed sacred building knowledge. And some of that early building knowledge, by the way, is still somewhat secret today. Uh, in some ancient architecture cases, we still don't know exactly how early builders knew how to create the architectural wonders that they did. They were that good, and they guarded their secrets that tightly. Uh, these early masons, when you're talking about the history of Freemasons, are known as operative masons, the masons who actually built shit. The ones who actually worked with stones. And their mythical origin does go at least as far back as King Solomon's Temple, the greatest and most magnificent monument to man's faith in God built during the biblical era. Now, the temple rumored to hold the Ark of the Covenant, which held the actual tablets God gave to Moses that contained the Ten Commandments. The Wailing Wall in modern Jerusalem is alleged by some to be the only remaining evidence of this ancient structure. And I say alleged and mythological here, not to be dismissive of religious beliefs, but only to be true to documented evidence. Archaeologists still have not found definitive, for sure, proof of King Solomon's temple. Uh, it's just not sitting over there in Jerusalem, out in the open, like uh, like an Egyptian pyramid or a Roman temple for everyone to kind of see and be like, ah, that, yep, for sure, there it is. Uh, and operative masons existed in various guilds for God knows how long before historians kept track of them. Uh, when did they get organized into some sort of order that resembles the Freemasons of today? Uh, nobody knows for sure uh, because, you know, uh, the, the history uh, that the group has kept to themselves, there is a little bit of secrecy there. Uh, there's conspiracy. Uh, there is, again, lack of, you know, proper written documentation on ancient times. And, and we will dig into the conspiracy of how long they've been around and what they've been up to again more in part two on Monday. Uh, the oldest document regarding Freemason rituals, as one of our time suckers claimed, is the Regius Manuscript, the Regius Poem. Uh, also called the Hallowell Manuscript. It's a long poem of 794 verses intended to determine in full detail the duties and obligations of stonecutters and masons. Uh, layers to the craft of geometry is considered the oldest of the 100 or so ancient chart or old charges or ancient regulations for the governance of masonry in Britain. And it bears no date, but its turn of phrases and its contents suggest that it was written by one or even several, you know, scholars or clerks a few years before the establishment of the Anglican Church of England in 1534 as a counter-argument to a statute of 1425 which outlawed the annual congregations and confederacies of Masons. Uh, The fact that it is written in rhyming verse also makes its kind of manuscript unique. Uh, The context, the grammar, and style of writing indicate that the Regius uh, manuscript was written in uh, Shropshire. And it is consistent with the abandonment of the Norman customs of the court of England. 
this connection that it was 1361 that King Edward III decided to abandon his ancestors. Norman language is the official one. You know, so there's all this, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's all this like uh, historical evidence that points towards this date, even though it didn't have an official date. And in 1390, the young French king, uh, Charles VI, was showing his first signs of dementia. In England, the reigning king was Richard II. And uh, the two countries were still at war with each other in dispute of continental land possessions. England itself was subjected to political rivalries that would soon cause the sovereign to be uh, uh, deposed and imprisoned. And the document, originally uh, thought to be written around 1390, recent historical studies have dated it uh, in the first quarter of the 15th century. It was mentioned in 1670 uh, in the inventory of John Thayer. It was shelved in the Royal Library of King George II, who donated it in 1757 to the British Museum forming the beginnings of the British Library. So again, uh, a lot of history around this document. Let, let's just kind of get into a couple examples of it. Here's <laughs> here's how it goes, uh, and I will not read nowhere near all the verses because it's painfully boring, but it goes like, Anyone who will look can find written in old books this story of great lords and ladies. They had many children but had no income to support them, whether in town or field or woods. They took counsel together to plan for their children how they could best live their lives without much discomfort, care, and strife, and mostly for the coming multitude of their children, for their success they sent to great scholars to teach them good works. They asked them for our Lord's sake to give their children work so that they could earn a living, both well and honestly, and with security. You know, again, pretty boring. Goes on, goes, goes on for a long, long time. Here's a little more. Kind of gets into the masonry. Furthermore, he ordered that he should be called master. So that he would be most honored, he should be called that. But Mason should never call one another among themselves within the craft subject or servant, my dear brother, although one is not as skillful as another. Everyone should call each other fellows in friendship because they were all born to ladies. <laughs> in this way, through knowledge of geometry, the craft of masonry began. The scholar Euclid founded. In this way, the craft of geometry in Egypt. All right, so a lot of, a lot of rigmarole. A lot of uh, a lot of you should do this, you should do that, but this is this is the basis of a lot of modern Freemason kind of pageantry, and, you know. So there you have it. A uh, group of dudes, good at building shit, care a lot about the profession, want to protect their livelihoods. So how did that transform into the uh, you know one of our time suckers using membership in Freemasons to get a job as a waiter? Uh, nothing to do with building. Let, let's talk about speculative masonry. Sixteenth uh, and early seventeenth century England was a, an especially rough and confusing time for the average peasant. Series of religious wars shifted the royal family's allegiance back and forth between Catholicism and Protestantism. You know, one day you're, you're getting burned at the stake for being Protestant. The next you could be executed for being Catholic, you know, a heretic. Sometimes the Protestants even went to uh, war against each other. You know, some days it was okay to be a Calvinist. Other days, you know, you could be a Lutheran, sometimes Anglican. You know, and then later in the 17th century, the Age of Reason hit England. Uh, science became the new religion for many. The scientific method was their god. Some nobles and peasants stopped looking only to God for the answers to their lives. It was cool to be a nerd. And some Masonic orders in England and Scotland began to admit non-Mason members to their ranks. Dudes who did not know shit about building shit. Uh, in 1660, the Royal Society of London had its first meeting. In 1663, it would be known as the Royal Society of London for Improving Natural Knowledge. The group was fully supported, revered by King Charles II. Many of its members were early Freemasons, such as Robert Moray, uh, Elias Ashmold, uh, Dr. Jean de, 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 de Zagulias, uh, Sir Christopher Wren. And, uh, and these crazy-ass-looking, wig-wearing motherfuckers drank tea, and they discussed the important intellectual matters of the day. And they didn't just answer the most questions you know, with some form of, because God said so. And that pissed a lot of religious people of the day the hell off. And they started to be looked at as possible devil worshippers, right? 
Sometimes, I mean, historically, that, that really is all it would take. You know, it was just as simple as, do you believe that the Bible has every answer to every important question you have in life? No? Then you are a devil worshiper. What? No, 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 no. I, no, I don't believe in the devil. I'm, I'm definitely, definitely not a devil worshiper, which is exactly what a devil worshiper would say. You either believe in the Bible or you worship the devil. Those are the options. You're with us or you're against us. For Jesus or for Satan. Make your choice. I, I, I choose not to participate. This is very intense. Exactly what the devil wants you to say. Walking away from the light and walking into the darkness. And if you think I'm picking on Christianity right now, I am not. Uh, it's just the history that relates to the uh, speculation about today's topic. Historically, you know, it's just, it is what it is. A lot of Christians have seen the world's uh, souls as falling into one of two and only two categories. Those who worship the one true Christian God and will rejoice in heaven and listen to, you know, harps or, or smooth jazz or uh, maybe a little Michael motherfucking McDonald. So many promises never should be spoken. Now I know what love in you costs. Now I know we're talking divorce, and we weren't even married on my own. Okay, okay, that's all I got. Suck it, suckers. That was a little taste of heaven for you. Yep, that's what it's, that's how it sounds up there. That was pure. That was pure angel music right there. <laughs> I went way too high at the start of that, by the way, and I got I got trapped and I couldn't go higher. Uh, so there was there was the people going to heaven, and then there was the people who, whether they realized or not, were on the devil's team, and they were going to burn in hell in a lake of fire forever. There was no third destination, and that's why some conspiracy theorists argue that Christopher Wren or argued that Christopher Wren and other Masons were Satanists, which is especially ironic for Wren, considering he designed a total of fifty three London churches, including the majestic St Paul's Cathedral. Uh, London, which I've been in, is a, just a awe-inspiring building. Uh, so the satanic origin rumors really are odd, considering that the main employer of Masons were Christians. Catholics especially built a lot of cathedrals using Masons. And all that early building is why the symbol for the Masons uh, is a square and a set of compasses, the tools of an architect. The symbolism of architecture was important to Masons because of the origins of their group and because the architect on a medieval cathedral project was a true intellectual. You know, we kind of mentioned that earlier. You know, he possessed specialized knowledge few others had. You know, he had to know about mathematics, geometry, physics, art, literature, had to communicate well, you know, verbally passing along plans to those literate workmen, you know, he had to be well-versed in the Bible, had to be, uh, have a lot of religious knowledge because much of the decoration that was carved in the stone and designed uh, in the stained glass windows and cathedrals was meant to tell biblical stories to an illiterate population. Uh, and then... In 1666, a significant event happened in the history of the Freemasons. The Great Fire of 1666 destroyed much of London. 666, the devil's number. The Masons harnessed the power of the Dark Lord. They were able to conjure the very flames of hell to burn the city down and rebuild it in their own nefarious image. Full of buildings with little Mason symbols hidden throughout them. Transform these these, these buildings into, into hell portals. So the Dark Lord and his minions would, could occasionally transport themselves to the surface of the earth and, uh, and you know, they could eat, they could eat fish and chips sometimes because the Dark Lord loves his fish and chips and so does Lucifina. She loves a good plate of bangers and mash with, with crispy peas and that sweet onion gravy. And the Dark Lord's Freemason plans are working. Keep pretending it's not real while demons slowly take over London. It's, it's, it's been a very slow takeover for some reason. It's been over 350 years since the fire, and, and London still doesn't seem to be a hotbed of demonic activity, but, but, but whatever. 
It's going to happen. It's almost as, all, as if it's all a bunch of wackadoodle nonsense. But anyways, after the fire, the Masons, uh, such as Christopher Wren, rebuilt the city. Lots of masoning going on all of a sudden. So much masoning. And the demand for all the rebuilding combined with the Age of Reason really fueled membership in the Masons. Uh, early lodges are springing up all over town. It was, uh, you know, it was a real sausage fest uh, in that town. A lot of dudes hanging out with other dudes, having drinks, talking about dude shit. Uh, in the late 17th, beginning of the 18th century, more important uh, Masonic history happens. Masonic lodges at this time are meeting in coffee houses or ale houses, uh, generally named after the places that they were, where they would meet. Uh, and then in February 1717, the Rummer and Grapes, the Crown, the Apple Tree, the Goose and Gridiron Lodges all gathered at the Apple Tree Tavern in Charles Street in Covent Garden, area of London, to discuss who exactly had the dumbest fucking group name. And the Goose and Gridiron won in a landslide. We have the silliest name. Uh, no, the groups met to discuss the future of masonry in England. Uh, three lodges were made up of mostly operative masons with a few accepted gentlemen members. Some gentlemen. Uh, but the Rummer and Graves, uh, that was almost entirely a gentleman's lodge with a handful of noblemen thrown in. You know, they had a, they had a, they had a solid gentleman to nobleman ratio. That, see, that fella, he has the soft hat. He's a gentleman. He has the gentle hands. And over there, he, with a man with the slightly larger hands, he's noble. I don't know why I, why I went to hand size there. Uh, they wanted some rules and regulations. They wanted to gather a, a big group every year for a celebratory feast. They wanted to see, see to it that masonry increased its membership. The one thing they did not want uh, was for the Freemasons to become just, just another eating, drinking, and carousing club. Like many such clubs popping up all, all over London, clubs like the Beefsteak Club. <laughs> uh the the turf the turf club the Carlton uh, the guards the Pratts the crooked teeth uh, the pasty calves and the giant Adams apples I made <laughs> I made up those last three but I think they sounded uh, no less made up than the other real ones uh, to accomplish proper organizing the Rummer and Grapes decided to form a governing group known as the Grand Lodge the lodges met again on June twenty fourth seventeen seventeen Saint John the Baptist Day. At the Goose and at the Goose and Gridiron Ale House in St. Paul's Churchyard, uh, under the shadow of a great cathedral, they elected Anthony Sayer, a real motherfucker, a real asshole. No, I don't know anything about him, other than he was a gentleman member of the Crown Lodge, and he was the first Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of England. And Freemasonry was changed forever. The new Grand Lodge announced that it alone claimed the right to charter new lodges of Masons in England. The original lodges were numbered one through four. New lodges were numbered sequentially as they signed on into the Grand Lodge of England. Got a little order now. It's not all chaos. Now, of course, the lodges of Masons outside of London found this news to be somewhat a surprise. You know, it, it was kind of like Christianity after the after Martin Luther's uh, Protestant Reformation. Everyone suddenly has their own ideas on how to run shit. Uh, the Scottish and Irish lodges were completely unimpressed by the la da British presumption of authority. Typical 18th century Brits telling the world what to do. So irritating. They remind me of me. A modern American. Uh, anyway, up to this point, all that had been needed to start a lodge was for 10 Masons to agree to do so as long as they adhered to the ancient charges. The old rules set down in works like the Regius poem, the Regius manuscript. Uh, this new Grand Lodge had taken a pretty bold step in claiming sweeping powers, predictably, soon caused an argument or two. Uh, one of the first things a new Grand Lodge did was to go after more nobility as members, you know, figuring to give them some prestige. Star power, not just an American invention. The Duke of Montague became the fourth Grand Master in 1721. Uh, and he, you know, he sat in that lodge and he put his pinky out and he, and he sipped a fuckload of tea. That's, that's why I picture the Duke of Montague doing just so much tea, just so much pinky out, out. Pinky, always out. Tea, always hot. Wig, always on. 
eventually, more royalty arrived in the form of the Duke of Cumberland, brother of King George III. The Duke of Cumberland became Grand Master in 1782. Uh, always the surest way to establish itself as uh, being more respectable, uh, noble, and you know more than the run of mill social clubs was to prove ancient pedigree. So Freemasonry was no longer for stonemasons, but it was still connected by a legendary trail back to those early Masonic lodges, you know, charted by old King Athelstan back in 10th century York. You know, its mythical origins went back to King Solomon and even before him. You know, early Masons made sure to make this ancient connection prominent. So, you know, creating symbolism based on the ancient Masons, you know, gives gives a group a little more pop than its rivals. So while the ancient link to Masons is somewhat real, it also feels very manufactured, you know, in uh, in the 18th century, just made, you know, made up kind of for show. You know, although Masons won't reveal their secrets, I, I highly, highly doubt that any uh, ancient stoneworking or mystical knowledge has ever been revealed in in the little Freemason Lodge, for example, of Grangeville, Idaho. <laughs> I doubt a couple old, you know, white small town men in Grangeville, Idaho, are trading secrets of how to build the fucking pyramids using their Illuminati minds. Uh, highly doubt any babies were sacrificed so that moderately successful uh, Grangeville, Idaho County farmers could continue to be moderately successful and make that moderately successful farming money. Yeah. Uh, 1723, another important year in uh, Masonic history, a Presbyterian minister named James Anderson, directed by the Grand Lodge to write a history of the craft and outline its rules. First published in 1723, the collected work was known as the Devil's Guide to Everything. No, it was known as the Book of Constitutions and contained a new and improved version of the ancient charges. Ever since that time, most modern lodges and Grand Lodges have been governed in a general sense by the basic guidelines set down by James Anderson's work. One of the most important revolutionary rules is the first one. It reads in part, In ancient times, Masons were charged in every country to be the religion of that country or nation. Whatever it was, yet it is now thought more expedient only to oblige them to that religion in which all men agree, leaving their particular opinions to themselves, that is, to be good men and true, or men of honor and honesty, by whatever denominations and persuasions they may be distinguished. Uh, this policy was revolutionary for the times. Freemasons required a belief in God to become a member, but no questions would be asked about the member's personal religion. To further cement this requirement, Masons referred to God in their rituals as the grand architect of the universe. Uh, from this point on, Catholic, Anglican, Presbyterian, Calvinist, Puritan believers all welcome to join as long as they kept the religious arguments and prejudices to themselves. Even non-Christians were allowed to become Masons. Uh, Jewish people began to take an interest in the fraternity. Again, revolutionary to have so many people from so many walks of life come together in friendship uh, for the purpose of advancing academic and scientific knowledge. Uh, early members of this initial organized Freemason Lodge in Britain, and the, I guess the Lodge is, uh, brought Freemason teachings and then the Lodges to the rest of the world through British colonialism. Uh, for example, as Britain settled uh, what is now the United States, uh, they also brought over the teachings and organization of the Freemasons because a lot of those early colonists were members. By 1730, official Freemason lodges had been established in Philly and Boston. In uh, 1775, a free African-American named Prince Hall set up the uh, first African-American Freemason lodge in Boston, Lodge Number 441. However, many American uh, Freemasons, despite Freemason brotherly love ideals, just as racist as most people back then, and the original African-American Freemason Lodge and other lodges were constantly losing their charters and then regaining them only to lose them again. Finally, in 1827, a group of men formed their own Grand Lodge and began charting their own members. Uh, it was eventually named the Prince Hall Grand Lodge, and today there are more than 250,000 members belonging to roughly 4,000 Prince Hall-affiliated lodges. 
again, uh, like uh, kind of Christianity, they're breaking down into many different factions and denominations over the years. Uh, Freemasons have done the same. Perhaps the most famous uh, American Freemason of all is Bojangles. Bojangles is a Scottish Rite 33rd degree master mason. And not only did he design the Washington Monument, it was modeled after his dick. Yes, finally, you have the truth. That's what the National fucking Monument or whatever that weird movie uh, with the guy from Con Air is <laughs> trying to tell you. The Washington Monument, thought to be modeled after an ancient Egyptian obelisk, is actually a Bojangles dick replica. It is, however, almost twice as big as Bojangles' real fully erect dick, which when 100% erect was more effective as a siege weapon than it was as a love tool. And another secret, actually how we won the siege of Yorktown, which is what ended the Revolutionary War. Bojangles slammed his giant hard dick into roughly 9,000 British troops time and time again, smashing some, beating the morale out of the others. He beat out, and in a sense, he beat off the British troops. Bojangles beating off 9,000 British troops. Think about it. It makes sense. FYI, Bojangles would only make love at 5 to 10% maximum erection to keep from killing his lovers, his many lovers. Bojangles! Okay, that may or may not be real history. Uh, I may have had a seizure. Uh, what is definitely history is that George Washington, our first president and future time suck subject, is America's most celebrated Freemason. Uh, the Bible Washington used to be sworn in as president was taken from a Freemason lodge, a lodge that still has it, the St. Uh, John's Lodge, number one in New York. Uh, at least four other presidents have been sworn in using that same St. John's Bible, uh, Warren G. Harding, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Jimmy Carter, George H.W. Bush. Uh, George W. Bush did request it, but it was raining on his inauguration day, and so he was given a copy of Mad Magazine to be sworn in with. <laughs> no, he, he, used some other, he used some other Bible. Uh, as the Freemasons grew in popularity in the late 18th and 19th centuries, the organization also began to become more complex. Uh, lodges began offering new levels of knowledge to keep people interested, such as the Scottish Rite. Uh, one system of degrees yeah, it was offered by the Royal Arch, Cryptic, and Chivalric, especially the Knights Templar branches of masonry, became known as the American or York Rite. Thomas Webb was a particularly avid promoter of these degrees. Uh, the only other degrees uh, came out of France and were mostly administer administered uh, by the Supreme Council in, in, in Charleston, South Carolina. The system was eventually known as the Scottish Rite. The, the spread of the York Rite dominated the north northern states, whereas the Scottish Rite had its greatest early success in the southern states. So just, you know, they're just adding kind of levels and things to learn to kind of keep membership increasing. And, uh, and just because it was, you know, something fun to do. You know, Americans, despite, you know, breaking away from England, uh, still loved the the British pomp and circumstance on some level. They wanted some pageantry. They wanted me to have some cool titles. It reminds me of running for uh, Sergeant of Arms, uh, Class Sergeant of Arms in high school. Did I have any real idea what the job of Sergeant of Arms was? No, no idea. It just sounded cooler than being secretary. I wanted to be Sergeant of Arms. I did not want to be Class Secretary. You know, getting a cool title is fun, you know? Even though I came up with it, I'm excited to be a, a space lizard because it sounds cool. I almost like do like a mental trick on myself. Like I'm going to be surprised what space lizards are able to do, even though I'm trying to come up with what space lizards are able to do. You know, my brain just like, oh, there's this fucking cool knowledge out there for the space lizards. The York and Scottish Rite degrees, uh, you know, were, were packed uh, full of all kinds of extra pageantry. Each degree told a new symbolic story, you know, had its own dramatic presentation, conferred an impressive title on the candidate. Each degree taught a morality lesson, brought biblical and other legendary stories to life. With the mason at the center of the ceremony, he's, he's the VIP. You know, it was emotionally exciting. It was a form of frontier theater for a lot of pioneers out west who probably, you know, were fucking bored. 
You know, they're entertainment stars. Not like they're going to go to the movies. No, so they get to have a, a mason ceremony. But then in, 19, in 1826, uh, some East Coast Freemasons brought some seriously bad press into the group that has remained forever. Uh, in the little town of uh, Batavia, a disgruntled mason named William Morgan announced his uh, intention to write a book exposing all the secrets of the Freemasons. Several local masons uh, decided that Morgan was something of a scoundrel, and by exposing the rituals of the lodge, he was breaking Masonic vows. So they abducted him. They kidnapped him. They carried him off to Fort Niagara on Lake Ontario along the Canadian border. And then the conspirators claimed they paid Morgan 500 bucks, gave him a horse, pointed him north, and told him to never come back. I highly doubt that happened. Highly doubt they just gave some dude they hated 500 bucks. <laughs> which is a lot of money back then, and, and sent him on his way. That makes no sense. Guessing they probably killed him, and there would be speculation that they just fucking threw him in the lake. Uh, whatever happened, Morgan was never seen again. 26 men were indicted in connection with his disappearance. Only six were ever tried, none on murder charges. And then it was discovered that the prosecutor and many of the jurors were Freemasons, and the trial resulted in very lenient sentences. Dun, dun, dun! The trial became national news. Uh, the public believed that Masons had killed Morgan according to Masonic ritual, and then cheated justice by receiving short sentences from their Masonic friends who controlled the courts and the government, including, uh, you know, the governor and Freemason, DeWitt Clinton. Man, the Clintons always up to something. The, the DeWitt Clinton is probably the grandfather of both Bill and Hillary. Probably has something to do with satanic molestation. Pizzagate. Uh, well, the drama sold a lot of newspapers, despite rumors of other crimes in years since. This 1826 incident remains the only authentic case in history of Freemasons seriously accused of murdering a member. Uh, who you know who broke their vows and so and so and so what if they did? I think it says more about those particular members than it does you know the, or maybe that particular lodge than it does about the international organization as a whole. Well, the the public of 1826 disagreed with me, and uh, hysteria broke out uh, when Morgan's book uh, Masonic Secrets Revealed was published after his disappearance and or death. A uh, hundred anti-Masonry meetings were held in New York in 1827 alone. On St. John's Day, 3,000 protesters marched to the Freemason Lodge in uh, Batvia, uh, attacking the Masons inside, looting the building. No demons or dead bodies or satanic goats were discovered. Uh, Anti-Masonic political parties were then formed in 1831. The Anti-Masonic Party became the first third-party movement in the U.S. with the former Freemason, William Wirt, running for president, carrying the state of Vermont and an 8% of the national vote. The anti-Masonic party elected governors to Pennsylvania and Vermont. The platform was simple. Freemasons were anti-Christian and thus anti-American and must be expelled from our country at all costs. Uh, Masonic membership dropped 60% nationwide in a single year. Well, uh, then to prevent anti-Masons from spying on meetings caused more ruckus a little more trouble for the lodges, more rituals are created for members to make it even harder to get in, make it harder for people to fake their way into the upper levels. The group became more secretive than ever. Uh, and then with attendance uh, in Freemason lodges low, but interest in joining fraternal organizations high, other groups kind of started to come in and take their place. Uh, groups like the Oddfellows, a.k.a. the IOOF, the International Order of Oddfellows. What is an Oddfellow, you might think, as I did? Well, according to their website, an odd fellow bases his thoughts and actions on healthy philosophical principles. He believes that life is a commitment to improve and elevate the character of humanity through service and example. He is humble in a way that he never boasts about himself. He knows and accepts his strengths and weaknesses and keeps away from bad-mouthing people making unreasonable allegations. He understands that certain things in life are unavoidable. He is aware of the vanity of earthly things, the, f the frailty and inevitable decay of human life and the fact that wealth has no power to stop the sureness of eventual death. What a fucking downer, this thing. And he then asks the question, how am I going to spend my life? And then it goes on for a while, and it gets to its principles. Uh, 
Principle one of the Art Fellows, wise and serious truths, and opens up before its members opportunities for useful service. Two, belief in a supreme being, the creator and preserver of the universe. Three, the lesson of fraternity, that all uh, are of one family and therefore brethren. Four, the importance of the principle. Okay, and it just fucking, it goes on. It goes on, you know, it goes on uh, uh, down to most of them are normal. Uh, Eleven, principle eleven is kind of weird. Nothing tastes as sweet as a scared Christian baby. So that's, that's troublesome. Uh, that probably caught them a little bit of heat, just being openly satanic. No, I made that one up. Uh, what is an odd fellow? To me, it just sounds like a Freemason, right? They're very similar. Uh, they share a lot of the same values, also a lot of the same symbolism, including the all-seeing eye, uh, which Timesick also uses. Damn it, I, I'm the Illuminati. Uh, and the odd fellow was one of so, so many fraternal organizations that sprung up in the 19th century. Like, they got super popular, right? Think about it. They didn't have Netflix. Yeah, they didn't have shit to do. They didn't have iTunes. They didn't have fucking Pandora. They were bored out of their minds. They were trying to get away from their from their wives. You know, they, they didn't marry for love as much back then. They got stuck with people. They're trying to get out of the house, and so then there, all of a sudden, there was the uh, improved order of red men, uh, the order of the Star Spangled Banner, the Sons of Honor, the Order of the Good Templars, the Grange, the Ancient Order of Foresters. That one sounds boring as shit. Ancient Order of Foresters. I guess I don't know. Maybe going on a hike or something. The Holy and Noble Knights of Labor, the Benevolent and Protective Order of Elks, the Loyal Order of Moose. <laughs> and literally hundreds of others, and and all basing their pageantry and rituals off Freemasons, the original American secret society. You know, and then there was women groups forming too. Uh, there was the Order of the Eastern Star, uh, the Rebeccas, the Delilahs, the Michelles, the Kims, the Wendy's, the Shakiras. No, there was just other Rebeccas. But there, but there was uh, those things were getting going too. And because the Catholic Church, you know, forbade Catholics to join these orders, uh, they came up with an equivalent, you know, to keep their people happy. They came up with the Knights of Columbus. All right, the Catholic Freemasons. I've I've uh, been to some of their halls. I, I, when I went to Gonzaga, there was one near campus, and I'm pretty sure I had a tasty pancake buffet at a Knights of Columbus Hall once. And, and I definitely uh, did receive a Student of the Month award from Elks Lodge when I was in high school. Uh, I remember I just had to drive to Grangeville, and some uh, very old men with some hats in a musty old building handled me a plaque. And I was I was somewhat honored. Uh, and then side groups started popping up, like the Scottish Rite. Uh, 1853, Albert Pike joined the Scottish Rite in Charleston, South Carolina. The degrees he witnessed were interesting to him, but Pike was a devoted scholar of history and world religions. He felt the degrees taught important lessons but could use some improving. So over the next decade, he re- rewrote uh, the 4th through 32nd degree rituals, embellished them with lavish tales of kings and knights, of ancient religions and legends. And his revisions helped make the Scottish Rite the largest and most popular appendant body of Freemasonry in the world. Its degrees were presented not for one or two initiates in a lodge room, but as a massive stage production. You know, with hundreds of candidates in specially built auditoriums using state-of-the-art lighting, scenery, special effects. Well, to this day, these Scottish Rite auditoriums, theaters, and cathedrals, like the Scottish Rite Cathedral in Indianapolis, remain the largest Masonic buildings ever constructed. That one in Indianapolis, by the way, I saw some pictures if you get a chance. The Scottish Rite Cathedral, like beautiful Gothic building. Really cool looking. Uh, so basically, you know, since there were only like three levels of being a Freemason, there was the uh, – and still is – the Entered Apprentice, the Fellow Craft, and the Master Mason. Uh, they kind of got these new side groups going like the Scottish Rite so that a Master Mason can con- continue on with Masonic learning and knowledge. You know, basically have new video games levels to fucking level up, you know? It's like if you make a video game and you only have 10 levels, then well, people stop playing after they make it level 10. But then if you come up with a fucking booster pack – and you get an extra, you know, 50 levels. Well, you, you keep people buying that game. You keep people playing it. So that sounds to me like what went on. Uh, and then the counterculture revolution of the 60s and early 70s, you know, hits. And suddenly uh, everybody thinks that what their parents did was lame. 
you know, which was unlike previous generations, you know, when sons would join lodges with their dads, be happy to go to the lodge with their dad. Well, now kids want nothing to do with their parents, so young membership in fraternal lodges plummets. Uh, Gerald Ford is the last Freemason to be president. All in all, again, I said earlier, 14 presidents have been Masons. Uh, the full list is George Washington, James Monroe, Andrew Jackson, James Polk, James Buchanan, Andrew Johnson, James Garfield, William McKinley, Teddy motherfucking Roosevelt, William Ta- uh, Taft, uh, William Harding, uh, Eleanor, I mean FDR, Harry Truman, and uh, and Ford, as we said earlier. Uh, and then Dan Brown, he writes the wildly popular novel The Da Vinci Code, based somewhat on Freemasonry, and interest in America's secret societies uh, skyrockets. And memberships picked up a little bit, as we heard earlier, uh, although it's still primarily an old boys club. Um, but, you know. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, who knows, you know, in the, everybody knows everything about you, Facebook culture, we now live in, maybe the pendulum will swing back. Uh, I think it might, you know, and more people are going to crave membership in, in, in Masons, uh, groups like the Freemasons because people are going to want a secret life because our lives are so public now. All right. Well, that is it, uh, about it for part one. As far as a basic overview of the Masons, we will dig much further into the outlandish conspiracies that surround them in part two. And for a little taste of what that may look like. Let's check in uh, right now with the idiots of the internet. Idiots of the internet. To find today's internet gold, there's gold in these here threads, I tell you, uh, riches to be uncovered, uh, mind-numbingly idiotic babble to be presented and mocked. A man can make his fortune in these threads, I tell you, just so much gold, pure, pure idiotic nuggets of tomfoolery. Well, to find today's uh, today's gold, I YouTubed Freemasons Exposed, and then I filtered it by the highest view count, and I found a video titled, Watch This, all caps, before joining Freemasonry. Everything Exposed, all caps, published by the scariest movie ever. On December 12, 2014, over 3 million views, and the video description reads, Let me tell you a story of a man that reached the highest level of Freemasonry, rubbing elbows with presidents, celebrities, politicians, the elite. And why he decided to walk away completely, all caps. The veil lifted on these dark rituals. Please, all caps, share this with any, share this with anyone you know that may be a Freemason or are thinking of pursuing Freemasonry. Right when they go into the beginning of these, when they say like rubbing elbows with presidents, plural, celebrities, get the fuck out of here. Like, like, the, the <laughs> like where would all those people meet in the same lodge? You complete moron. Uh, okay, so we know it's nonsense. Uh, I, I hope we all know that. And then it, it's po- it's also posted in the category of education, which I find hilarious. And uh, 20 seconds into the video, big letters on the screen comes a statement, Freemasonry is a slow indoctrination into Satan worship. Okay, and then it makes a, a reference to the word Lucifer showing up in some Freemason literature. You know, somebody was uh, named Lucifer. That's proof that Freemasonry is without a doubt satanic. It is uh, So I guess is it proof that I'm satanic? Because I, I made up the thing Lucifina, which I just thought was a funny, evil character in the show. God, it's a bummer. It's a bummer that I'm satanic because I have no interest in Satan uh, or, or even believe in him. So which is, you know, that's a bummer that I have to now worship someone that I don't like if they are real and don't, don't happen to believe it. Oh, man. Um, and he talks about the Shriners, you know, because uh, those guys got to be satanic. You know, the people who give free medical care to very sick children and save their lives. You know, the Shriners of Shriners Hospitals, Uh, I guess they reference uh, Muhammad as God in one of their rites. So they, you know, they're of the devil. 
I always get so tired of that association that people try to make, some people, between Islam and Satanism. Fucking stop it. It's just so inflammatory and nonsensical. Uh, And then the video goes on to describe how all the major religions are given equal weight, which again is satanic. And then it's more of the same. Freemasons don't value Jesus above all, so you know they're the work of the devil, blah, blah, blah. But but I'm glad this video was made because it has led to gold. Uh, So many good comments. The first one I'm choosing (laughs) to add here is a comment made by user uh, Lebotuntun. Uh, fucking the names people pick for YouTube is ridiculous. Uh, and Lebotuntun uh, posts in all caps, so much bull dust. I love it. Bull dust. And the profile picture is, is a man of about my age. If you are a grown ass man using replacement words, go fuck yourself. Why are you so fucking scared of some silly four little words? You ignorant dick fuck. Think about the kind of brain you must have, to, like you must possess, to believe that there is an all-powerful God who created this amazing universe we live in, created everything in it. Think about how complex and beautiful and nuanced our world really is. But this omnipotent being, he—they he, want you to say bulldust instead of bullshit. Like that's what they're concerned about. Children are dying of AIDS in Africa. They contract it through being sodomized in a war zone. But shit. That's what ugh, that's what gets God's gander up. Ah, oh, holy fuck you and I have so very little in common. If that's if that kind of world makes sense to you, uh, user Bernie on Fleek uh, posts something to remind us that there are plenty of good people in the world. Uh, Bernie on Fleek posts, "What an incredibly well written piece of fiction. This man has used an instrument to bash a group of people whose sole existence is to help each other in business and do good works in the community. Just wonderful." So you can hear the uh, sarcasm there, and then right underneath, user Joel Fry. Quickly, quickly reminds us that there also are plenty of idiots. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is funny to be on so many levels. This post, uh, user Joel Fry says, "From Jesus for him, I say fuck all Masons, the devil, and all entertainment and big pharma. They should all be highly ashamed to ashes. Literally, that includes all false churches on Sundays. Well, man, so many people." Uh, are going to be ashamed, ashamed to ashes. I've never heard that phrase before. Wow, Joel, all entertainment, all Freemasons, fake churches, uh, and randomly big pharma should all burn in hell. And and I, and I love the fuck all Masons uh, from Jesus, right? Like like that would ever happen. Just, hey guys, I got a message from Jesus. Uh, Jesus told me to tell you guys, and I quote, fuck all Masons. Yeah, because that's so Jesus-like for him to say. And then we got even... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, actually, before I move on, that whole thing of like wanting people to burn in hell, that's so wicked. Like, like, okay. And, and just all people in entertainment. So if someone decides to like to go into acting, they should, when they die, burn forever. That's such an intense punishment. Like, I don't know if you've ever burned yourself. I have burned myself in a variety of ways in my life. So painful. And usually when you burn yourself, you just touch something for like uh, not even a full second because your body immediately recoils and then you just feel the pain. Imagine burning all of the time, like how horrific truly of a punishment that is. And you're going to wish that on somebody for being, uh, I don't know, like, like a, a pharmaceutical salesman. <laughs> you're an, you are an idiot, Joel, such an idiot. Okay. And then we get even more nonsensical with user Jorma Terras who posts, this is just pure wackadoodleness. Okay. It's going to sound nonsensical because that's just what happens to be written. The Masons is Judaism for the Goy and Judaism is the worship of Baal and Saturn equals Satan. So you are tricked to worship Satan as in the Catholic Church of today. It is a Masonic organization as is Islam, as is any government on earth. All religions are anti-spiritual and evil. 
Ha! Huh. Wow. Uh, what a weird world you live in. Let me get this straight. All religions, all governments, the work of Satan. So he's won then. I mean, if someone takes over every religion and takes over every single government, I, I would say that they've won. So why are you even posting anything? Why aren't you just, you know, shouldn't you just be like curled up in a corner crying and hiding from the many, many, many Satanists that surround you at all times in your reality? You know, are you just, what are you just killing time on YouTube waiting to die? You know, waiting to be killed by so much Satan surrounding you. It's a wonder you will you even find the time to type anything. It's amazing you found the strength to buy a computer or a smartphone or whatever the hell you use to make it to the internet. You know, it, must, it must be so hard to get up each morning knowing that every single religion, every single government in the entire world is satanic. So, you know, how come you aren't satanic? How, are, how, are, how did you escape all this? How, you know, and how come you aren't offering to help the two or I guess maybe three other people in the world who aren't also minions of the Dark Lord? Who types shit like this? You know, uh, do they work? Do they have a job? Do they have friends? Are their friends as dumb and paranoid as they are? Just so many questions. Uh, so many paranoid religious fanatics in this particular comment section. User Adrian Kavlowski posts, Masons worship Satan. The eye of Lucifer, they parade, is proof enough. And then under so many of these uh, type posts, some Mason tries to correct him. Uh, user Barry Newell responds with, no, we don't. <laughs> I love that too. I, you know Barry is just beside himself. just on his computer reading all this like he's some Mason being like, no, What? Why do they keep saying this? No, it's not true. Where do they get their info? It makes no sense. Give up, Barry. It is quite literally impossible to reason with a fanatic because they don't use reason in their thoughts. They have they have decided to go to an unreasonable mental place, someplace not logical. They've based their life on the illogical. Uh, they're not going to snap out of it with just a simple like, no, we don't. You know? You're not going to like someone when you're talking to somebody who's like, you eat babies in the basement of your devil lairs. You conjure demons and prepare for the battle of the end times. You feast on the blood and torment of the pure and righteous. Uh, d what? Dude, no, we don't. We have, we have a taco bar and some drinks. And then we just kind of, you know, lately we've been talking about what's going to happen next season on Game of Thrones. Uh, seriously? Y yeah. All that selling your soul to the devil and actual satanic ritual stuff, that's just kind of modern, you know, medieval nonsense. You know, a thousand years from now, people are going to look, uh, you know, on people being scared of some horned beast uh, stealing their soul uh, the same way we look, uh, you know, uh, back up uh, people, you know, believing that Zeus could come down from Mount Olympus and, and fuck their wife or something. It's, it's insanity. You know, it's just, you know, I get it, though. You know, it's people are scared and they're trying to make sense of the world they don't understand, you know, and grasp with straws. Uh, oh, uh, uh, oh, shit. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Uh, do, do you have do you have extra tacos? Do you have oh yeah 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 uh, with cheese and uh, we have street tacos as well. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I love both of those. Yeah, no religious paranoia, man. Has I get so worked up about it because has any good ever come from it? Like literally any good, just ever. Salem witch trials, honor killings, terrorist attacks, crusades, Spanish Inquisition. It's it, come on, please, please, please let it be enough. Such a paranoid, pointless way to, to waste your talents in life. Uh, today's last idiot, uh, Mady Madeline, seems to be wasting hers. Uh, she posts, this really upset me. You know the hidden hand thing the Freemasons do. Well, yeah, I was watching this quote-unquote Christian music video worn by 10th Avenue North, and the guy was doing the same thing with his hand in his jacket. I'm not saying all Christians are bad, but I'm just going to say not everyone is who they say they are. This poor girl, this poor dumb girl, she has gotten so worked up about the devil being around every corner, she is actually worried that the dude from 10 Avenue North is a secret Satanist. She can't even enjoy Christian music. She's that scared. And she just also convinced me to watch a video uh, for Warren by 10th Avenue North. And you know what? I got to say, it's fucking great. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. It's a great song. Uh, and the hidden hand thing, uh, he's holding his hand to his heart for dramatic effect, you idiot. 
she must be a real hoot to hang out with, right? Just just one of those people who sees Satan in everything. Just did did you hear how that how that kitten just just mewled? Uh, devil is a devil kitty. Look look at the way that old lady uses her stroller to to cross the street. Her, her walker. She takes six steps and pauses. Six steps and pauses. Six or seven steps and pauses. Six, six, six or seven. Probably six, six, six. Definitely the devil. <laughs> Look at that baby with the sippy cup. Sip, sip, sip. Three sips. Sips sound like six. Sip, sip, sip. Six, six, six. So, uh, you know, matey, uh, thanks for making me laugh about how paranoid you are. And also, uh, <laughs> thanks to the guys in 10th Avenue uh, North for reminding me about all the plenty of uh, super cool Christians out there. Uh, those guys, I didn't know about them. I don't know how they've sold, I think, millions of records. Uh, they also donate to Compassion International and write very cool, uplifting songs. Yeah, again, I, th- I feel like I have to keep saying that I'm not joking because people, you know, probably with my perspective think that I'm joking. No, man. Uh, good shit, guys. And that's enough idiots of the internet for now. Uh, there will be so many more on Monday. Idiots of the internet. All right, so to me, the Freemasons just sound like a way for people to fulfill their need for religion, you know, uh, if it's, you know, a person who doesn't subscribe to one of the currently established religions. You know, maybe you don't believe in a particular book, maybe you don't want to go to church all the time, uh, you don't want to go to church with your, with your family, but but you want something bigger than yourself to be a part in. I mean, I, I get it. You know, I mean, I, I feel something similar with Time Suck. I, again, I've always been like a small pack guy. You know, I've always been kind of good with my wife and a very small group of friends, friends I barely stay in touch with, to be totally honest. I'm kind of a shitty friend. You know, my kids... And, and I've always thought that's all I needed, but but I am kind of feeling that tribe vibe now. You know, I, I do enjoy being part of a larger group, uh, the time suckers. Uh, I'll never want to be around people all the time. I'm too introverted for that. You know, I need my alone time. At least I think I do. But I, I get free masons being, being cool where you can go twice a month if you want. You can have a nice dinner with some bro friends, especially if you're somebody who has trouble making friends. You know, you're you're alone. You're you're lonely. You, get to, you know, you get to have some uh, sense of community. You know, and you get to have some spiritual fulfillment uh, without the dogmatism of church, if that's not what your thing is. You know, you get to learn some secrets, which secrets always make people feel special. You know, who doesn't like that? Uh, you know, it's a cool club, way to network, you know, way for to meet new people and make new friends, way for guys to get a break from their wives, girlfriends, and kids. You know, uh, and, and I think that's all it is. I think it's ties uh, to ancient knowledge are larger symbolic. What I don't think it is, uh, you know, is, is, you know, you make it, you know, far enough, you make it into some inner circle and you gain world dominating insights. I, I, I don't think that. I think that if that was true, there would be no ethos of Freemasons from various walks of life hanging out. There would just be rich and powerful Freemasons and Freemasons who were about to become rich and powerful, you know, through the power of satanic secrets or something, which doesn't make sense, you know, because there's plenty of Freemasons out there who are not like world rulers. Okay, so I don't want to make any more conclusions because uh, there's, there's still more Freemason research to be done. Maybe I will come across something that's going to change my mind. Who knows? Maybe I'll you know come across some convincingly nefarious you know info over the weekend. Right now, it is time for today's top five takeaways. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Number one. The Freemasons in their organized form began on June 24, 1717, St. John the Baptist Day, at the Goose and Gridiron Alehouse in St. Paul's Churchyard in London under the shadow of the Great Cathedral. Anthony Sayer, a gentleman member of the Crown Lodge, was elected as the first Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of England and Freemasonry was changed forever. The new Grand Lodge announced that it alone claimed the right to charter any new lodges of Masons in England. The original lodges were numbered one through four and new lodges were numbered sequentially as they signed on to the new Grand Lodge of England. Number two, the symbol for the Freemasons comes from architect's tools, the square and the compass, and is a nod to the original Masons who actually built lodges instead of having dinners inside of them. Uh, It is not a nod to the devil, which is exactly what the devil would say. 
Okay, number three. George Washington was a Freemason and was sworn in as the first president of the United States using a Freemasonry Bible. Number four, being a Freemason is basically giving yourself a place to go to church uh, for people who don't want to go to church, uh, but still want to go somewhere and get some rituals. It's it's a less churchy church uh, from what I've gathered so far. Number five, new info. Uh, let's talk about the cornerstone ceremony. That's what a lot of people know about Masons. Uh, because of their heritage as builders of cathedrals and other public structures, the Freemasons have historically performed a special ceremony uh, at the laying of cornerstones for new buildings upon request. In modern times, these events are barely noticed by the public, but in previous centuries, the laying of a cornerstone for a new building uh, was a very big festive celebration. In the case of the courthouse, city hall, or other major government building, parades were often held, speeches were given, uh, Freemasons were some, would symbolically lay the cornerstone, uh, cornerstone, my God. The Freemasons built all types of structures, left their symbols for other Masons to notice and admire their work. So, you know, if you have some Freemason markings uh, in one of your buildings, and a building you live in, you know, especially in the cornerstone, or, you know, for that matter, I guess any stone, uh, congrats, you're probably living in a big-ass, architecturally significant building, and you might be stupid rich. Time suck. Top five takeaways. All right, part one is done. More Freemasonry. The deep tracks coming your way on Monday. A couple reminders before we get to the time sucker updates for today. Uh, first one is February 24th, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Beautiful Idaho. The first Space Lizard event meeting at the Suck Dungeon. Are you curious? I hope so. Let's hang. Let's have fun. Uh, for the details on how to score an invitation, follow at Secret Space Lizards on Instagram. Our very own event coordinator, uh, Harmony Velikamp, will be announcing how to win this Friday, January 5th, right after this week's Bonus Suck episode. Going to be fun. Uh, if you don't already, listen to Time Suck on the Time Suck app, show notes, podcast player, and more. Starting in February, it's going to be the place where you'll be able to download and listen to The Secret Suck. You know, five bucks a month, we'll get you The Secret Suck each week, a new stand-up album of mine. Uh, that you can only get through uh, signing up for the Secret Suck and ex- exclusive merch access, the ability to vote on Monday topics, 20% discount on non-Lizard merch. I have two new albums of previously unrecorded material coming out in the next month, one called Maybe I'm the Problem, currently set to debut on Pandora, January 24th. I'll have more details on that soon. Uh, I'll have a link where even non-premium Pandora users can listen to the album's tracks in order. And I have another album, a uh, new one called Feel the Heat, you can only get by signing up for a premium membership, and you'll get to you know you'll be able to do that through Patreon here soon. I'll get that set up, and then I'll let you know. And if and if enough of you sign up, and become space leaders, I'll be able to continue to add more features to the app, build the community of the cult of the curious. Let's get our own secret society going. Uh, the Time Suck store, uh, other than stickers, which I got to get some new ones designed, is currently completely restocked. Hoodies, hats, t-shirts, more, all at timesuckpodcast.com. Special thanks to Time Suckers Ken Wymore, Victor Cisneros, Nia Bachelor, uh, Mike Cooper, Elliot Borders, Will Butler, others for suggesting today's topic. Uh, thanks to everyone who voted for it on Instagram at timesuckpodcast. Uh, thanks to Sydney Shives for killing it on social media. Harmony Velikamp for all her kick-ass positive energy. Uh, amazing ladies. Thanks to Josh Krell for his continual help. Uh, and thanks to all of you who write in, listen, spread the word, buy merch, come to shows. Click the Amazon link on timesuckpodcast.com and support the show while you shop. Thanks to all of you who spread the word, to your friends and family who rate and review the show everywhere you listen and build up the suck and make this show possible. Your word of mouth, your ratings, your reviews, that is what makes this show possible. That's what keeps it going. Uh, This Monday, part two of the Freemasons, so much more to suck. What is their relationship, if any, to the Knights Templar? What are the best, juiciest secrets out there about the, the Freemasons? How did they get started? Why do they use the symbols they do? So much more to suck. And right now, uh, let's suck on some Time Sucker updates. Update. 
Adventure Time Sucker Updates. Okay, first, of course, because it's me, uh, a pronunciation correction. Oh, mushmouth strikes again. This is from Time Sucker and Cool Hombre. Uh, Hannah Hudgens. She says, Dear Master Sucker, I have to say, I admire the shit out of you for the ability to take constructive criticism, especially when it comes to pronunciation. I've actually started to respond more positively to criticism because of your podcast. I have a Bachelor of Arts in Music with an emphasis in classical voice, so I feel that gives me enough standing to address this pronunciation issue. In the Einstein time suck, you pronounced Mozart incorrectly. I swear I'm not being picky and asking for the perfect German pronunciation. The Z is pronounced T-S. No crazy German accent or anything. It's just common practice in America to say Mozart. Uh, and you know what? Uh, I'm, I thank you for sending that in, Hannah, because earlier in this episode, uh, Mozart came up, and I hit it, I hit it the right way. So uh, and she says, also, I'm loving the suck. It's great to learn about interesting topics from someone with a sense of humor. I was a big fan of your stand-up before the suck, and now I'm proud to be in the cult of curious, of the curious. Stay curious, Hannah. Thank you, Hannah. I love the uh, Stay Curious sign-off, by the way. I forgot about that one. And yes, and again, just thank you uh, for the Mozart correction. Uh, I was giving it that good old America pronunciation. America Mozart. Uh, I hate criticism, actually, uh, or I have historically, but I am getting a lot better of it uh, about it. Excuse me. And I'm consciously trying to be a good example of taking it because I, I do feel that not enough of our public leaders – and just uh, people in our culture do the same. And, you know, instead of apologizing or just saying, just just whoops, made a mistake, shit happens. I feel like so many people just double down on their original lie just to avoid, I, I don't know, I guess looking weak. It's just such a horrible, needless trait that is not productive towards creating an atmosphere for the positive exchange of ideas, uh, for growth, for learning. There's no shame in making mistakes, man. No one's perfect. And if, and if you don't think, you know, you do make mistakes, well, congratulations. You're an asshole and uh, your friends can't stand you. Uh, speaking of taking criticism, I don't always take it well. I don't take it well when it's unfounded. Uh, and that's this next update. The second one, this really cracked me up. It comes from someone who may be a former time sucker now. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I'll leave his last name out, actually, when I read this. Uh, I'll just say it's a time sucker by, uh, by the name of Thomas who wrote in with, I, I started listening to this podcast because I like your comedy, and I think the premise of the podcast is a good one. Time sucks the things you're interested in. Awesome. To be honest, I binged most of the early episodes until I caught up. I was that into your podcast. Notice the past tense. I was. However, your subject matter has drifted into the realm of macabre a little too much lately. And as a father, I can only listen to so many stories about torture, rape, and murder, especially involving children. I like being informed and don't mind an unsettling episode every once in a while, but I was really looking forward to the newest episode of the new year to see if 2018 would come with any positive vibes from the Time Suck crew. I mean, uh, we need it after such a crazy 2017, and god damn it, if it wasn't about the motherfucking despicable filth of a human being, John Wayne Gacy. Do we need to time suck this motherfucker? Really? That's how you were going to start off the new year? Well, not for me. I refuse to listen to it or any further time suck until you get in here with some shiny, happy fucking episodes. Peace. All right, Thomas. I know Gacy was a sick bastard, but where the fuck have you been, dude? Uh, Einstein was the week before, buddy. And before that, Eleanor Roosevelt. Before that, Oak Island Mystery. Dude, you picked a really weird time to make that particular complaint. I just released two shiny fucking happy episodes during the holidays right before Gacy, man. Eleanor Roosevelt and Einstein, both shiny happy. And the one before that uh, might not have been shiny or happy, but it certainly was not dark and murderous. So, uh, so Thomas, um, if you're going to complain, at least make a reasonable complaint. Oh, in today's episode, not about murder. And neither is Mondays. Five out of six, once we get to Monday, uh, of the most recent episodes will not be murderous. So, you know, complain away, but 
do it about something legitimate. I just felt like that was like a weird knee-jerk reaction you had to Gacy. Uh, the next update is also about Gacy. Uh, it's an update from Time Sucker Crystal Terry. Dear Master Sucker, love the new episode. Evil Killer Clown is definitely one of my favorites. I heard you mention Pennywise was based off John Wayne Gacy, and I didn't know that. However, I do know that Twisty the Clown from American Horror Story is based on Gacy, so just thought I'd share. that. You know, that's right. I forgot about that. And, uh, yes, I did see that season of American Horror Story, and that clown was fucking creepy and so intense and and i have no doubt that makes total sense that gacy was also the inspiration there uh really i guess the inspiration uh, behind several of the scariest clowns in tv uh and film history of the scariest clowns you know makes sense after researching him totally scary dude uh this update from jake rawls uh a time sucker and i love this and a big fan of Nun Bush Shoes. Do you remember Nun Bush Shoes? That was the shoe company I made so much fun of last week in the John Brain Casey episode. It was a, uh, a shoe company he worked for, and I ruthlessly mocked it. And I said that you know the, the dude who wears uh, a Nun Bush shoe is a dude who has no interest in ever making a vagina wet again. <laughs> Jake has a great sense of humor, and he writes, "Dan, I can't believe I'm contacting you about something this stupid, but Nun Bush Shoes are actually pretty all right." <laughs> I have a pair with some built-in gel inserts, which are great for a job where I have to dress business casual, but need to do a lot of walking through an industrial facility. I guess since you attacked me, I have to attack you back, but I'm having a hard time building up righteous indignation over shoes. So, uh, fuck you, I guess. Hail Nimrod, Jake. I love you, Jake. Oh, that is funny, man. You know, sorry, buddy. Sounds like you have some seriously dope-ass kicks, my friend. I mean, those, those built-in gel inserts, those sound super sexy. I'm pretty sure a few lady suckers fainted when they heard about your hot business casual look in an industrial facility. Because everyone knows that's where you meet all the sexy mamas, man, strutting the fuck around in an industrial facility in some nun bush gel insert shoes. But ser- but seriously, I tease again. Thank you for the message. That really cracked me up when I, when I read that. Uh, and, and I'm going to end on some positivity from time sucker Joey Bamunk. He says, hello, master suckafuck. <laughs> I just wanted to throw a quick thank you your way. Thank you for this podcast and your comedy in general. My older brother Mike and I have had a roller coaster of a relationship. When I was a kid, he was struggling with diagnosed depression and ADHD. He also had a temper, and I, and I as I think I also share, but he had a, a lot of things wrong, and no one seemed to know how to help him. So after he got rid of his awful, awful girlfriend, who for a while turned him into a different person, but somehow I, I idolized him the entire time. I dressed like him. Uh, a lot of the mistakes I've made were made impersonating him. But after he met his now wife, he was my brother again. I saw him smile and get help. He and I always bonded over sci-fi and comedy. Now with me in my early 20s and he in his early 30s, we found a new bond over the suck. Fuck yes. Hail Nimrod. Uh, I too struggle with the things he did as a kid, but I had help. So I want to thank you for being his. Creators like you keep my brother my brother. And without that, I wouldn't have my fiance, my own place, or the self-confidence I have now. So thank you so much. I apologize for the length of this. Don't apologize. I, I, but, I, but I've thought about writing it since I began listening. Thank you and hail Nimrod. Well, you know what? Thank you, Joey. Thank you, man. Uh, hail Nimrod to you. Uh, the love is reciprocated, man. Uh, I really feel it from you guys. You know, I give you something to talk about with your fam, your friends, your bro in this case. And then when you send these messages, you know, you, you just you, you send that mojo back my way. And then I try to put it into the next show. And even if I'm a little sleep deprived, it, it boosts me up. And, 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 you know, just thinking that this stuff actually matters. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a great weekend, dude. Talk to your bro about uh, some, some Freemasons and Hail Nimrod. Thanks, time suckers. I needed that. We all did. Well, that is all today, suckers. That is all. Uh, that, that is all. I felt like I got into a Freemason voice there. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Uh, the first weekend in 2018. Think about joining a secret society. Please let it be the Space Lizards. 
Please let it be the space lizards. And keep on sucking. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you suddenly had an extra hour show up in your day every day, what would you do with it? Work out, sleep, read a book, play Fortnite, call your mom, take judo lessons, finally watch all the episodes of Shameless. A lot of us spend a lot of our time wishing we had more time. But why? Time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The bad news is that you're not going to get that 25th hour. But... What you can probably do is reprioritize where you spend some of your time. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it with your time. This year, my health is more important to me than cranking out another stand-up special as fast as possible. So I canceled a tour, sacrificed that income, and decided to spend a lot of the time I just got back working out more, resting more, relaxing more, and enjoying time with family, friends, and just myself. And I'm so glad I did. I feel better than I have in a long time. And my BetterHelp therapist, Debbie, was very helpful in getting me to make the decision to pull back. Thank you, Debbie. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TimeSuck today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash time suck.